Amen. It's great to have you here with us at Grace Church. My name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace. And uh, this Sunday we are finishing up the last message of a series that we have called Love Does. And I don't know about you, but this has been an incredible series. We have had a lot of fun with it, and we have seen God do some really, really cool things throughout this series. And so today we finish up this series called Love Does. And uh, as we close out this series, I thought it would be fitting. I thought it would be very appropriate. I thought it would be the right thing to do to go to the love chapter of the scriptures to find our text for today. Uh, Those of you that are familiar with the Bible, you know exactly what the love chapter is. Those of you that are still learning about it, maybe it's new to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is probably the best chapter in all of Scripture. Okay, It's all amazing. It's all good. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is really, really good. And I was drawn to one verse in this chapter, and this is what actually helped me to come up with the title of the sermon today. And the title of the sermon today is, Love is Tough. Love is Tough. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 7. Let's check it out. It says, Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful. And endures through every circumstance. After reading that verse, I would now change the title to Love Must Be. Love Has to Be Tough. It has to be. To never give up, to never lose faith, to always be hopeful, to endure through every circumstance. Love has to be tough. It has to be. And that is the big idea for today. Hopefully when you came in, you got some sermon notes. And on those sermon notes, I want to encourage you to write, jot notes down. If you take a nugget of truth out of here, that's great. That's a victory for us. Man, we're hoping that you're walking out of here with something you can use on Monday. Remember, I'm preaching to your Mondays, not just your Sundays. So write some things down. Try to learn some things. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Allow Him to speak to you. But today's big idea is love must be tough. Love must be tough. Now, before we go any further, I think we need some clarity on the word tough. I want to just spend just a few moments to make sure we're, we're all using that word in the same context, in the same way. So let's get some clarity on this word tough. The word tough is not a good word if it means calloused or if it means guarded. Tough is not a good word if it means lacking transparency. Wow, he's just so tough to get through. Man, he's so tough to understand. That's not a good meaning to the word tough. Tough is not a good word if it means unwilling to change. So when I use the word tough today, this is what I mean. The word tough is a good word if it means resilient. If it means never quits. If it means the ability to handle adversity. If it means you're able to bounce back from problems and struggles and setbacks. The word tough is a good word 
if it means you're in a constant state of stretching and learning and growing. Love must be tough. When we advance the kingdom of God, when we move the kingdom of God forward, when we take the purposes of God, the mission of God, and we take it seriously, and we advance in our communities, in our country, in our nation, in the world, in our families, when we advance the kingdom of God forward, we are gaining land. We are gaining territory. But you know who is losing land? You know who is losing territory? The enemy. And you know what? The forces of darkness, they hate losing territory. They hate losing control. Love must be tough. And let me say one more thing about love. Love never leaves a heart the way it found it. When love comes into a heart, when love uh, grips a heart, it changes it. Love never leaves a heart the way it found it. It changes it. Love must be tough. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful. And love endures through every circumstance. So let's dive into these things I got five points this morning. We're going to move quickly through them. But the first point is never give up. Never give up. Love never gives up. I love the story in Luke 5. Luke chapter 5, we we read a story about some really good friends that didn't give up. Some friends who did everything in their power to love well. And so I want us to pick up the story in verse 18 of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they tried to take him inside to see Jesus. Now why, why Jesus? Why were they trying to take him to see Jesus? They knew that Jesus could do something about his brokenness. They knew that Jesus could transform. They knew that Jesus could change. And let me remind us, church, it's all about Jesus The problem is always brokenness. The problem is always sin. And the answer is always Jesus. And they knew this. They knew they had to get their broken friend to Jesus. They knew Jesus could heal. In verse 19, but they couldn't reach Jesus because of the crowd. The crowd was so massive where Jesus was teaching. It was so full. It was so packed. They couldn't get through the crowd to get to Jesus. They couldn't reach Jesus, verse 19, because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Okay, They tore the roof apart. And then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Verse 20. The scripture says, seeing their faith. I just imagine Jesus teaching. And all of a sudden, some dust starts to fall, you know, from the ceiling. And he sees tiles and and the roof just being torn away. And all of a sudden, a body is lowered down. And it says that seeing their faith. Whose faith? It was the faith. It wasn't necessarily the faith of, of the crippled man. It was the faith of his friends. 
Jesus was so impressed. Like, these guys are tearing the roof apart to get their friend to me. This is incredible. And Jesus was, he said, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you remember in the story, like always, there was some religious know-it-alls who were in the crowd and they were upset because Jesus said this. They were upset because Jesus said, your sins be forgiven you. And they said, who does Jesus think he is? I mean, does he think that he's God? Because only God can forgive sins. This is blasphemy. Why is Jesus saying that He can forgive sins? Does He think He's God? And then Jesus went on to say later on in the chapter, I will not only prove to you that I have the power to forgive sins, but I will also heal this man. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and He said, Stand up. Stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. Verse 25. And immediately, as everyone watched, this massive crowd of people, there wasn't enough room for them to get in, they came through the roof. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, he picked up his mat, and he went home praising God. And everyone was gripped, verse 26, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. That's my prayer, Grace Church. When we gather together as the body of Christ, my prayer is that we walk away saying, We have seen amazing things today. Luke 5, verses 24 through 26. But church, let me remind us that this this story would have never happened if those guys didn't have the guts to tear the roof apart. Love never gives up. My best friend growing up, his uh, he came from a very broken home, but his dad... His real dad didn't believe in Jesus. And his mom prayed for him again and again and again. And to make a very long story short, it took 25 years for Jay to come to faith in Jesus Christ. 25 years Tana was praying for Jay. And just a couple years ago, Jay surrendered his life And gave his life to Jesus Christ. But it was because there was a wife, there was a son, there was a daughter who never gave up. They kept praying, they kept hoping, they kept enduring, they kept loving. And he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Love never gives up. Even if love has to tear the roof apart, love never gives up. And I think we could learn some valuable lessons about friendship as well in that story. Secondly, love never loses faith. I've taken you to the love chapter of the Bible, and now I want to take you to the faith chapter of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith hall of fame, or some people call it the hall of faith. It's the 
the faith chapter of the Bible, and it always starts by saying this, two words, by faith. By faith, Abel brought an acceptable offering to the Lord. By faith, Enoch walked with God. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Sarah had a child even though she was barren and too old. By faith, Isaac promised blessings. By faith, Jacob gave his life to God. And by faith, Joseph interpreted dreams. By faith, Moses led millions out of slavery. By faith, Joshua conquered Jericho. Love never loses faith. Hebrews 11.1 clarifies for us what faith really is. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. As Christians, one of our most fundamental hopes is heaven. We have loved ones who have gone before us and we hope to see them again. And you know that faith is what makes that Hope become reality. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And then in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, we're told that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not like you can please God in other ways. And It says without faith, it is impossible. It's impossible to please God. Never lose faith. And let me just remind us, church, that courageous faith is only proven when it's tested. The kind of faith required to survive life's hardest blows has to be strong, it has to be muscular, it has to be resilient. It has to be exercised. You have to practice it. Why would we be called as Christians? Why would we be called overcomers in 1 John 5, 4 if there was nothing to overcome? We would never be called more than conquerors in Romans 8, 37 if there was nothing to conquer. If life never had any hurdles or challenges, faith would have no purpose. So don't be dismayed. Don't be knocked out when challenges come. The Word of God says that His strength is made perfect in weakness. And our faith is refined. It's made pure by the fire. Remember the Scripture says, In this life you will have troubles. You will have troubles. And faith is what will help us through the fire. King David, who faced countless challenges. King David, you might have heard the story of David and Goliath. David was a king. He was a warrior. Uh, He was a ruler. He faced all kinds of challenges, yet he lived by faith. And David, at the very end of his life, this is what he said. At the end of his life, he says, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous 
forsaken. Church, let me read that to you one more time. Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. God will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. He will not desert you. Because love never quits and love never loses faith. Never lose faith. What we can't see is often more real than what we can see. It's faith. We also see in 1 Corinthians 13.7 that in order for us to love well, we must always be hopeful. This is point number three in the sermon this morning. We must always be hopeful. These are Christian terms that we've all heard. We've heard a lot. But sometimes it's hard for us to fully wrap our minds around these simple terms to fully understand them. Because when times are tough, we are encouraged to choose hope. And sometimes hope is just, it's like grabbing the air. Sometimes it's hard to get a hold of. What is hope? How does this help me? But man, when you understand hope, it will motivate you. It will motivate you to learn. It will motivate you to keep in the fight, to stay in the fight. Hope turns you from the victim into the victor. When you have hope, you will hope will help you from walking around defeated. Instead, you will walk around in confidence knowing who you are in Christ. Most people lose hope when they can smell or when they can sense defeat. There's so many ways to explain hope this morning, but I want to try to visually just try to help us understand hope with, with kind of this thought process. I, I'm correlating hope to victory. Man, some of the most famous uh, football teams and baseball teams and you know athletic teams, they had hope of victory. And that's what helped them get to the victory. When you have hope, you are victorious. You have a completely different mindset. But man, when you smell or when you sense defeat, man, troubles arise. This is when you get defeated. This is when you walk around without hope or without confidence. So let me just try to help us understand this, okay? When you don't have hope, when you don't have hope, people that don't have hope in a church, let's use our context, for example. When people don't have hope in a church, they just sense that, man, this, this church isn't, it's not alive, it's not going well, they smell defeat. They give as little as possible. They're not motivated to give. They give as little as possible. They're not motivated to give their time. They're not motivated to give their money. They're not motivated to give their creativity. They're not inspired to get involved because they can smell defeat. They don't have hope. They don't know where we're going. When people smell defeat, they also are full of excuses. They're full of excuses as to why they don't get involved as to why they don't serve as to why they because there's no hope they they smell defeat people that 
sense defeat, they also have no energy. I mean, look, I hate using sports analogies, but sports is just such a beautiful way to express sometimes. But look at a team that is hopeless, and they play with no energy. There's no life because they sense defeat. They're hopeless. It's the same in a church. It's the same in a business. It's the same in a family. Fathers, husbands, you've got to bring hope to your family. You've got to bring a sense of victory. You know, when people sense defeat, they go rogue. They start doing their own thing. There's no unity. And especially, there's no teamwork. There's no teamwork. There's no hope. There's no unity. There's no direction. They sense defeat. And lastly, when people sense defeat, when they lose hope, ultimately it brings hurt. They end up hurting other people. And a lot of times they end up hurting themselves because they're void of hope. They sense defeat. No one wants to walk around defeated or with lack of confidence or uninspired or hopeless. Who wants that? Nobody does. So what does hope bring to us then? Hope brings a sense of victory. That's what hope does. Now let's talk a little bit about when people can sense victory, when people have hope. Instead of not giving, they actually are willing to sacrifice because they sense victory. They're willing to sacrifice for the win. They're willing to give it all. They're willing to go out on a ledge. They're willing to dive for the ball. They're willing to, to put their body on the line, right? In sports, in, in, in church, it's the same way. When people sense victory, gosh, there's hope. I want to be a part of this movement. I want to be a part of what God is doing here. I will sacrifice my time. I will give my best ideas. I will give sacrificially because I sense victory. And I want to be a part of victory. When people sense victory, they look for ways to win. I like this word so much, I'm just going to write it again. Win. They look for ways to win. It's not just one guy out there doing everything. There's a team. There's people that are using the talents and the giftedness that God has given them to win. They're looking for ways to win. When people sense victory... You can see this everywhere. There's passion. There's life. Man, when there is no hope and there and people are defeated, the, I like to say it's, it's like the air got sucked out of the room and everybody's like, it's just hopeless. But when there is hope, there's plenty of air in the room. And there's life and there's passion. And people are excited about what they are a part of. When people sense victory, they follow the game plan because the game plan is working. 
You know what's cool is if the game plan isn't working, we need to scrap the game plan. Okay, we need to keep the mission the same, but we need to change the plan if it's not working. But when people sense victory, that means the plan is working and they become a team player. Okay, it's about the team. It's not individualized. Everybody's doing their part. Everybody's using their giftedness. Everybody's using their talents. Nobody's in it for the glory. Man, they're doing it for one another. And lastly, when you can sense victory, not only do people work as a team, not only is there a lot of collaboration, but there is not a sense of defeat. There's not a sense of defeat. No, we have hope. We know Christ is the victor. We know He has already conquered death, hell, Satan, and the grave. He has already come back to life. He is alive today, and He is coming again. We are victorious through Christ. My identity is in Christ. It's not about me. It's not what I can do. It's what He has already done. I'm victorious in Christ. I have hope. And I can live my life with that passion because of that hope. Gosh, I pray that we will be a church that is filled with hope. When people walk in, they just sense, I, 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 I came in hopeless, but now I have hope. I don't even know why. It's just hope is floating around because we are all so full of hope. You say, man, Justin, you know, this is some good positive thinking here. But let me just remind us that positive thinking must be followed by positive doing. And you know what? It takes a conscious choice. You have to make a decision to say, you know what? I'm not going to be down in the dumps all the time. I'm not going to be negative and just speaking hopelessness. Because it's contagious. It's like a disease. It spreads. But instead, I'm going to speak hope. And I'm going to speak life. Even if my feelings are saying, oh, this is hard. This is tough. I don't feel much hope. I'm going to speak it anyways. And I'm going to train my mind. And I'm going to train my emotions to be full of hope. I'm going to, I'm going to actually start positive doing. I'm going to start being hopeful. And I'm going to fill my mind with God's Word. And I'm going to spend time in prayer with Him. And I'm going to be around God's people. And I'm going to be full of hope. Number four. I didn't spell any words wrong, did I? That's good. Always makes me nervous. Number four. Always endure. Let me just uh, remind us. The Scripture says the best way to endure is to draw near to God. And to resist the devil. Sometimes we think the enemy is out to to take enormous bites out of us. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he tries to. But often I think it's the little nibbles each day that can really just get at us. And erode away our faith and our hope. And we begin to have this sense of defeat. It's just kind of the wear and tear, you know, day in and day out. And you're not doing anything intentionally to fill up your tank. And man, it just roads away and roads away till you're finally like, how did I get to this place of hopelessness? What happened? It was just one little cut at a time. I heard it put this way. Death 
by a thousand little cuts. Sometimes that's how the enemy comes at us. It's just a little cut here, a little cut there. And maybe we don't nurse it properly. We don't take care of that cut like we should have. And we end up in this place of defeat. You know, we often, sadly as Christians, we spend a lot of time fleeing when we really need to stand our ground. The Bible, you may not know this, but the Bible never teaches us to flee from the devil. It teaches us to draw near to God, to resist the devil, so he will flee from you. Don't run from the devil and hide from him. Rather, focus on drawing near to God and drawing near to the purposes of God for your life. I read, some time back, I read that when you hear a lion roar in the jungle, that's not the greatest danger to you. Apparently what happens is the big male lions with the big manes and the big muscles, pretty intimidating, they have the ferocious jaws, they'll pick a spot in the jungle and they will let out a tremendous roar, you know, a little bit louder than that. <laughs> but what happens is, is his prey will be so frightened by this noise that they will turn and run in the other direction where the female lion is quietly waiting. It's not what we're running from that holds power over us. It's the act of running that pulls us away from God. We become more focused on our fear instead of standing strong in our faith. By drawing near to God and resisting the devil, we will always endure. Now let me just give you some food for thought. It's a good question to ask is how do you draw near to God? It's a great question. And the Bible is very clear. We draw near to Him. You're doing something right now to draw near to God. You're with His people. You're, you're hearing God's Word. Drawing near to God means you... you are disciplined to get up a little bit earlier and you spend time in His Word. Drawing near to God means you're talking with Him and you're listening to what He has to say. But drawing near to God is also obedience. When the Holy Spirit whispers and He says, you need to do this or you need to do that, you obey. That's drawing near to God. It's drawing near to God. When you draw near to God, you will be able to resist the devil. You will be able to resist the fiery darts that he shoots your way. And you will be able to endure. Now, church, I just felt like I needed to say this. There's two times that people stop. There's two times that people quit. Usually it's after failure okay, or hardship. But you know what? There are some people that also quit. There's people that stop after success. After they win. They get to this place where they've arrived. They've won. And all of a sudden, they kick their feet up and they start coasting and they start taking it easy. We must always keep our eyes focused on Christ. Win or lose. And endure. The last point I want to make this morning is this. 
gritty churches are unstoppable. I used the word gritty two years ago. The pastors here at Grace, we went up to Denver. We went to the Global Leadership Summit up there. And Pastor Bill Hywels gave a talk. And he was talking about grit. And how leaders, especially pastors, they need, they need more grit. They just need to be tougher. They need to be gritty. And uh, I'm actually kind of just putting that on us as a church too. I hope that we can be a gritty church. We can be a church that has a love that is tough. A love that never quits. That is always faithful. It never loses hope. And we can have a love here at Grace Church that always endures. We can be a gritty, tough, feisty church. You know, the very first week of this series called Love Does, we, we tied balloons to your cars, if you remember that. And, it, and inside each balloon was a challenge. And I wanted to just tell you a story of what came from one of those. A, a wonderful lady in our church, she got her balloon, and I'm not sure if when it was when she got home or in the car, maybe while she was driving, she popped the balloon. And she got the, uh, the challenge out of her balloon. And the challenge was this. It said, put a gift card in a thank you note, or a thank you card, and give it to a cashier at the grocery store. So Susan picked up a gift card and she drove to the store and she picked up some items at the, at the business center in the store. And What she said is she wasn't going to pick which lane. She was just going to try to say, all right, Lord, you make this happen. And whichever lane is the most empty, the one that I should step in, that's the one I'm going to choose. That's the, the lane I'm going to get in and, and give this gift card and this thank you note to the cashier. And so the line came that was the most open, and so she began her approach. And the checker was a woman that she knew. And come to find out, the, the woman that was the checker, she was a believer in Christ. And as Susan handed her the card, and I'm not really sure that you know the words that they exchanged, but the giver, the one who handed the card, Susan, was the one who began to cry. Church, it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. Susan gave this card and she began to cry. And the woman left her post. She walked, you know, from out, from around the conveyor belt there in the the checkout area. And she gave Susan just a big hug. I I, I like to think, like, what, man, what were other people in the grocery store doing? You know, like, what is happening here? This is awesome. But this woman that received the gift was very grateful, but it ministered, ministered to Susan even more. When you give, when, when you're generous, good things happen, and good always returns from it. Somehow, some way, generosity always brings a return. And this morning, we're going to put this principle to the test. Again, a couple Sundays ago, we raised $14,000. And our goal was 12000 Okay? You people are stinking generous, man. We've already given $12,000 away to families in our church that needed some help. 
So we've got 2,000 left over. And so this morning we're going to do something called the Hamilton handout. All right? We have a bunch of $10 bills, $2,000 worth actually of Hamiltons. Okay, that's the president on the $10 bill. And uh, we're going to actually give every one of you a $10 bill this morning as a reminder that love does. Like, why are you doing this? I don't know, there's this little vague, I still don't fully understand it, to be honest with you. There's this little weird verse in Ecclesiastes that says, cast your bread out upon the waters and uh, they will return. And so that's kind of what we're doing this morning. We're just casting it out. And what we're going to ask is that you take this $10 bill, this little piece of paper with Hamilton's picture on it, and you do something to show love. You do something to show kindness to someone. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pass some buckets around right now. And I don't know, like, raise your hand. How many of you have ever been asked in a church to take something out of the offering plate? Okay, little guy right here. All right. Okay, just one. This is awesome. Here's just a couple ideas. Buy someone's lunch. Take someone to coffee. Uh, maybe bless a homeless person. Um, leave a good tip. Be creative. Come up with your own ideas. But most of all, let's be a gritty, tough, feisty church that proves the fact that love does. Love does. So let's uh, pray this morning. We're going to play some music while we pass this out. And then uh, Pastor Reland's going to come and he's going to close us out with some updates. Let me go to the Lord in prayer. This is fun. Father God, we pray for this money that's being passed out right now.